everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friend who is very sick, Sarah Longwell, strapping it on just for the show, and Timothy with two E's. Miller? I wish. Yes. I wish. Timothy Miller? I was, I I was want, thinking I of you because I'm watching... For the Timothy haircut when I went in for one of my various midlife crisis haircuts recently. And that was, I think, the one that came out with you where you told me I looked like Meg Ryan. So yes. I just don't know that I have the Timothy components that I wish I did. I, I sat down to watch Dune last night, and the only thing I could think of was that this kid, Timothy Chalamet, was engineered in a lab for Timothy Miller. I know, but Dune was not. But I'm just so happy that he is also in, um, what is it called? The French Dispatch? Yeah, I guess. And we might even, you know, there might even be a nip slip in the French Dispatch. So I've heard, you know. So I'm excited to see a little Wes Anderson, a little Timothy, maybe something that, you know, talks about people's feelings and, you know, has a nice little pastiche, uh, maybe a story, uh, rather than like a movie about. I don't even know what I'm Dune sorry. is. A video game Dune, and Dune is a is a film about nothing other than psychotropic drugs, and it stars Timothy Chalamet. And you're telling me you're not into it, Sarah? Well, maybe you're I still should here. be into it. Maybe I am into it. <laughs> no, I watched left? like I watched like ninety out? minutes of Dune, and I was you made it through death. ninety minutes. Yeah, and I, I, Timothy Chalamet. I didn't notice this at the time with any intent, but just because you seem excited about. He was shirtless in the scene. Yes. At the very beginning. So Tyler watched it. And so I did, he was watching it. And I, I, I was writing or something. And I walked down and I was like, am I going to want to watch this? And he says, no, I don't think you're going to like it. And I was like, is, does Timmy, you know, is there any you know, skin of Timmy? And he's like, first scene right at the beginning, then no more after that. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't, well, they spend three quarters of the movie on a desert planet with no water. So... They frequently are, you know, covered to prevent the sun from leaching excess yeah. moisture out of their body. This is why, you know. The more famished he looks, the better, though, for me. So, you know, <laughs> there's that. So that that's, that's an appeal. He does have a, a hunger pang frame, uh, <laughs> as I believe uh, somebody called Hamilton in the musical. Yes. Uh, I, I will just say I was so sick on Sunday that I managed to watch both. It was like just desperate. I watched after my three episodes of The French Village, I watched Dune and I watched The, the Chappelle um, stand-up comedy, I guess. Uh, and basically I just like I was either watching three straight hours of a show that I've already seen plus Dune, which I hated and was so bored and just like periodically napped through uh, and then – the Chappelle documentary, which is probably the thing I had the biggest reaction to because I was at least it was very engaging. Well, sure. You didn't, you didn't like the gom jabbar and the discussions about the spice and the the Masood Dibi. No, this is the House Atreides, the Baron von Harkonnen. None of these things I, were interesting think, to you, I Sarah? One of the things that I find difficult about um, 15 year old boy fantasy, you know, sci fi stuff that everybody like, like this world is built in your head, I presume. But if like you come to it cold, it's just a 41 year old woman and they're like the house of Atreides. And like, I took them at their word that spice was something I was like, boy, they're going through a lot of trouble to get this spice. Uh, <laughs> and at some point it did occur to me that I guess it was a drug. I don't really know. I don't really know. Didn't watch the last, I don't know, 40 minutes. Cause I didn't care. Uh, and now, the last hour 15, there was a lot more. It just keeps going. 
I won't, I won't, and this I is only part one. They're going to make a whole second movie that is the second half of the story. Because well, I can't wait to not watch is, that. Yes, you're going to enjoy not watching that. <laughs> I, I would like to hear your Chappelle take, though. We're, you know, three weeks into the Chappelle discourse. I wrote a three-week late column about it today. You might as well give us your three-week late take, hot take. Yeah, but you wrote about it and didn't even watch it. Neither of you have watched it. I can't believe JVL hasn't watched it. You can't, be, you can't believe I haven't watched something. This is the the well, safe bet is always I that like, I didn't watch. I guess something. I felt like this would be like a thing you guys would talk about on that other weird podcast you do with Sonny. No, that's too close to politics. We don't do politics. Um, okay. So well, I'll, give uh, you, I'll give you I'll give you my top lines. Should we oh, make please. people wait for your top lines to the, the end, end, or do you want to do it yeah, right sure. now? Sure. No, no, no. Right. It's with the You're end. You're just gonna have to wait to hear Sarah on Chappelle. We're gonna start out with Virginia governor's race. This is our last show before the vote. Next week, we'll be dissecting how bad things are for Democrats and how uh, Glenn Youngkin's 17 point victory has shocked the world and all of that. So <laughs> let's do a quick gut check for you guys. The recent polling, I do not think anybody, the 538 average has the race tightened to McAuliffe plus 1.5 which essentially means it's tied even in the, the 538 average. Uh, the recent polls have been McAuliffe plus one, McAuliffe plus three, even Yunkin plus two. Got to go all the way back to October Which one is 22nd. Yunkin plus two? Because this was what I was going to ask. I was like, has Yunkin actually led in a poll? For all of the smarty pantses on Twitter deciding that Yunkin is now the favorite, He, I don't think he's... I don't know. Was that plus two was like hey, a was like a especially likely or it was like a, a mega poll, right? He hasn't like so led in a real poll yet. K.A. Consulting, only 661 voter sample. Uh, the data for progress, if you want comfort food, which is 1589 uh, respondents had McAuliffe all the way up at plus five. But yeah, but no, Youngkin has been the Trafalgar group had him plus one. He's led. He just hasn't led in any non-MAGA polls. Got it. But we have gone from a world in which on October 14th, which is 13 days ago, Fox had McAuliffe at plus 11. And we don't live in that world anymore. I don't think. I don't think there's any doubt that we don't live in that world anymore. So uh, what do you guys think? Give me your gut check. Here's my gut check. I just, I just don't buy it. I mean, I, I think that I think that Youngkin could win. I, I, I don't think that there's like a zero percent chance. I'm not gonna, you know, tell you that I'm gonna eat my hat if Youngkin wins or anything like that. Like, I, but I, Virginia is still a blue state. Uh, McAuliffe had a lot of ground that he could have given up and still won. Uh, you know, given the the you know, big victory that Biden had. Northam, everyone, you know, you remember the famous Morning Joe panel where not a single person thought that Ralph Northam was going to win the night before the Virginia uh, governor's race last year and then Northam won by nine. I, like, it, Virginia is still a very blue state. And, and since Northam won by nine, even more Democrats have moved in to Northern Virginia. There's 45 days of early vote. They've had plenty of time to to make sure that the you know right number of people turn out among among the among the Democrats uh, are the Republicans participating in this early vote um you know maybe in some areas of the state but I'm guessing not in others so you know they didn't get to take advantage of that 45 days they don't have the buffer that McAuliffe does uh, 
I, I think that, you know, the environment is bad. I, I think some of the school stuff is real. I think the sense that, like, there's just some former Republican red dog Arvat types in Northern Virginia that are just desperate for, like, a normal Mitt Romney guy and are clinging onto it for dear life and are going to go back to vote for Glenn Youngkin just so they can feel warm and tax cutty in their hearts. I, I do think that's going to happen. But, like, I got McCall plus three. Sarah, where, where, where are you going here? Yeah, I'm still McAuliffe plus two um, or maybe more. I mostly agree with Tim on that. I did, you know, I tweeted something. You ever tweet something and you're like, you know what? I disagree with what I just tweeted. Uh, yes. Like, I, 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 I do s- not. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, if I were the McAuliffe campaign, I would be kind of skeeved out by the fact that in all of the polling errors of the last multiple cycles, the errors have gone to, like Republicans have dramatically overperformed their polling. And so you get the fourth straight. Uh, Not true in California. Poll. That's so you're right. So, but well, so actually let me, let me just get to my corrective on myself. Uh, so I, uh, so I, I tweeted that uh, and immediately it was like, yeah, but state level polling is different. Like, you know, state level polling is better. Like that's in the national overall um, cycle where, you know, cause I mean, I remember, remember we we like we were like so convinced that you know they'd worked out the kinks from 2016 and that they'd figured out how to find these Trump voters and they were overweighting for non-college whites and uh, that they'd gotten this figured out and when Biden was up by 11, you know, well it's probably closer and still it was like, you know, a whisper Joe Biden wins by and so I was thinking about that in terms of that could be bad for McAuliffe to have all these tide poles. But the state level polling is different. It's not that it's um, better, but I think it underweights differently. And so, you know, if you look at the polling from somebody pointed this out to me and it, it's absolutely correct. Go back to 2017 or other races where, you know, the, they, they it's just like now they show it really neck and neck. And then the Democrats perform, you know, by five to nine points. So uh, I think that. Uh, but I agree with I agree with Tim and I agree with the I just I do think that one of the things that's difficult to poll is always enthusiasm, especially in these off year elections where just like enthusiasm and turnout's going to make all the difference. And you don't know how to map like the 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 this like revenge tour uh, sort of enthusiasm that you have from Republicans who are just itching to vote for anybody. And it feels like 2018 in that way, right? Itching to vote for anybody who sends a signal about how pissed they are uh, in this, in their minds that the election was stolen. Um, I just think there's going to be a lot of that. And I don't know, I certainly don't think, especially among young people, um, that there's that kind of enthusiasm for Terry McAuliffe to match it. But like, it's still a lot to overcome when there's just a lot more Democrats than Republicans in a state. Yeah, on the other hand, directionally, the polls are all showing the same thing. They're showing a race that is tightening. Uh, and the candidates are acting like they think Yunkin is very close and maybe ahead. And, you know, one assumes that the campaign's internal numbers are always better. Is the crazy Tony Morrison ad really a sign that Yunkin thinks he's ahead? This was another point I had when I watched that ad. Yesterday, I was kind of on JVL's place over the weekend. And yesterday, I was just just reassessing um, and trying to get out of my Twitter bubble. And I just, I don't know. Doesn't that feel like something? Is that really an ad that you put up if you're ahead? 
I think so. They're just because doubling down to, on school, 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 yeah, school. Right? They feel they've, they've there, there a really the schools as much as they could. Yeah, one of the interesting crosstabs I looked at had like the gender gap was insane. I mean, you think the gender gap for like Trump and Clinton mm-hmm. was bad? It was even more than it was like it was like 60, 40 women to men and vice versa. Yeah. And, one, and so so I guess maybe that's the argument for it, right? Maybe they try to cleave off a few moms who are who are also triggered by their kids reading smut. In their AP, yeah. in their a, in their AP English class, you know, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want an NRCC's staffer's little brother to have to read about Toni Morrison's, you know, personal life in AP English. I literally haven't read Beloved since AP English, so it's been a solid twenty plus years. I can't remember anything uh, offensive. I mean, I, I whatever. I, I'm sure. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's some provocative, like adult material in this what Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Um, but I can't imagine it's any worse than, I don't know, name any other book. <laughs> what? Oh. Like, but, but Toni Morrison is black, Sarah. <laughs> you don't want to hear that's, about a black woman's kind of the, love life. Yeah, that, that's kind of the, the thing here. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, I look at this race, none of it makes any sense to me. Like the whole parents school board thing makes no sense to me. Uh, why is that resonating with people? That seems crazy to me. Uh, and so I assume it's all code for other stuff, right? Like nobody, nobody, if you can, if you can, if the most important thing to you as a parent is, is controlling what happens in your kid's school, then A, you should have your kids in private school uh, or, or B, you should be heavily involved in local school board elections that's where all of the stuff happened. This idea that, and that's why I, I, I think it's a proxy for school. something else. Can I ask about this? Can we just do a quick aside on this? Because sure. I've been, this has been something that's been in my brain that I just, I just didn't want to deal with the Twitter trolls on this. So this was an inside thought I kept uh, over the past few days. Good work. As a Catholic school boy, like, I, like this whole discourse is just insane to me. Like the notion that like, in sixth grade or eighth or, or at Regis high school in my AP class in junior year that like one of my friend's moms or dads would come in and talk to the teacher about what the curriculum was. And they would change, like we would not be reading a prayer for Owen Meany anymore. And we would read something else <laughs> like, like that is just, I, 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 I don't even understand. I don't understand the discourse around it. And then that poll came out and it was like 70% of Republicans want parents to uh, like, this is just, was just one of these moments where I was like, maybe I was more out of touch with other, with what was happening all along than I realized. Because like, I, I just, I, I, it, maybe it is a proxy for something else because like the idea that, that, that a parent would control what the Catholic school taught the kids, like, the nuns decided, and the Jebbies decided, like what the curriculum was. I don't. I don't. I, this was not a debate about whether parents had. Like, what am so, I missing? I I believe that this is proxy for critical race theory, which again is not actually happening anywhere. But whatever, it's what people are hearing on Fox News, and then trans bathroom wars. I think that's what it what it really means. It's yeah. that with an with an overarching, I think, layer of that there is like it's a little like the, there's some teachers union discourse mixed in there, yeah. some of which I have feelings about, too. Uh, and like left wing bias in education that I think is filtered down from colleges where 
you know, they are trying to like, this is, this is just pure culture war. The culture is these people are kind of, you know, poison the minds of our children, uh, with a variety of things. Um, I'm glad you brought up prayer for Owen Meany because the book I was searching for was like the world according to GARP, <laughs> which I remember blowing my mind in like AP English. Uh, and, but nobody's after what's his face. We read I, Dune in AP English. <laughs> I just, I really, I really just don't get it though. And then I was like, so then I was, I thought, I mean, shouldn't McAuliffe have been running ads that are like, do you, do you want a mob of anti-vax mega moms well, determining what your kids learn in school? And like, and then I was like, I don't know, maybe that won't work. I like, maybe people do have this fantasy that parents have control over the, I, I, I or maybe I'm missing something. Maybe there's some. You know, I only have a three-year-old. I, maybe my mother was calling the principal to talk to them about what what my social studies book said. I, 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 I the whole thing has just been bewildered. I feel like a childless cat lady, even though I'm not a childless cat lady. The whole discourse is bewildering. I'm glad you said that, Tim, because I I have the same reaction. So again, my my kids are in private school, um, precisely because I want to have some say, not in the curriculum or anything, but just in like how teachers behave towards kids. That's all I care about, right? Like if. If the teacher does something that I think isn't right, I would like to have skin in the game and to be able to make a phone call and have my phone call be returned in ways that may or may not happen in a public school, depending upon how good your administrator is and how good the teacher is, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Uh, but when I think about this debate, you know, to parents having say in curriculum, what I think about is, do you want the people who are desperate to keep Confederate statues venerated <laughs> everywhere and who are showing up at these school board meetings demanding that, you know, there be no vaccine mandates – do you want those people determining the curriculums that kids and my answer is no, no, I don't want that. Like, and who would, but that's why I say this all has to be a proxy for some other, some other set of issues. And I think it's all culture war. Yeah. And it's also not new. I mean, like this is like prayer in school or, uh, I don't know what were a bunch of the other issues like sex education in school. Like people have been having this fight for forever. Uh, and so it's not, it's just like new things that, that animate people. Uh, yeah. So I just, I, I guess I, I don't think it's new and I think it is all culture war. Um, but I do think, I think Terry McAuliffe made an actual mistake. You as a politician cannot say parents have no role in what curriculum is being taught in schools. Like it is just, first of all, I think it's not, not correct. Like there's a lot of sort of civic ways in which parents do have involvement in that. Um, but it is so dismissive. Uh, and, and I think, you know, and, and I, I don't know, there's like a whole conversation about it being really taken out of context and maybe that's true, but man, is it a soundbite? I, I, I told you guys, I did a focus group with independent, uh, undecided Virginia voters. And like, they all heard that clip. They hadn't all seen the ads tying Yunkin to Trump, but everybody knew about that soundbite. So, Sarah, I want to talk about that focus group for a minute because I I listened to the show with James and I had to have subtitles turned on because it was a little bit difficult to tell exactly what he was saying. But he, you know, he made a point early on in the show where he says something that, that I find very interesting and totally unexpected. You would have thought that Terry McAuliffe would have an advantage for having been a very successful recent governor of Virginia. But instead, in the focus group, you, as James said, it was as if he was governor of Virginia in 1914. 
you know, these, these people had no, he get no points for having been a successful governor. And in fact, it turns out to only have been bad for him because there's a sense of, well, maybe we need fresh blood or something like that. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. So, and this is, this is the other place where I would just say like, this is part of the, what I think the, 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 the Yunkin anti-anti, the pro-Yunkin anti-anti-Trumpers are kind of glomming onto, which is that McAuliffe has Hillary Clinton energy. He's got this energy of, uh, you already saw this, like, this is not a new face. And, and so the people in the group are just like, somebody says he shouldn't get a third term. As though he were just like, and, I, and it's like, you know, you're not going to bother trying to explain to people, well, in Virginia, they got this weird one-term thing. But but what people have a sense of is like, this guy was already governor. Why does he need to be governor again? Nobody has a sense of actually how he performed as governor. They don't care. He's just an also ran. Uh, and that is, I think, depleting in terms of there being any enthusiasm. I mean, you know, the, the progressives in the group thought he was like Comcast. Somebody specifically says it, just like a straight up corporate dem. They've already seen him, don't care. And then the real, all the moderates in the group uh, were kind of just like, had like this this real f- sense of fairness. Like really you should give somebody else a shot. Like this guy already had a turn. That's yeah, a real sour Josh, spot. This is a, you would know more about this than JBL. Uh, Josh Koshar, I thought made an interesting point on this. Like one of his big, you know, success stories was, uh, you know, the highway expansion. In Virginia, on like ninety five, which is like much mm-hmm. better in Virginia than it, than it is in Maryland, um, mm-hmm. and he, he's like, but he but he can't talk. But that's like something he doesn't want to talk about in Northern Virginia because now all the rage is like public transportation <laughs> and stuff, and like he doesn't want to get on the wrong side of the le- of the lefties up there. But so like he, so I think that there might be a little bit of that that like he's not bragging about some of his successes because it like creates problems in other parts of his coalition. I think that might be another underlying thing happening. Well, Sarah, it's the same thing you and I talked about with Biden and in your Democratic focus group, right? So he, he's disappointing the progs, but he's not getting credit with the moderates for not going along with the progressives, right? I mean, you, you like, and which is, again, it seems crazy to me, but this is just the childish view that Democratic voter, voters hold of the world. And uh, I don't know. You you guys got to get better at this. <laughs> Who's you guys? Uh, you mean the Democratic messengers Democrats. out there? Yeah. Democratic messengers and Democratic voters, honestly. You know, like you can't just say, oh, he can't have a third term. He hasn't had a third. Oh, my God. You know, you he's only run once. He's been governor once. That's it. Four years. That's true. But I, I, I mean, I sort of buy the idea. This is what I say. Hillary Clinton energy. I mean. You know, did people want to see Terry McAuliffe again? Like, it's like, it's like, it seemed, he seemed like the safe choice at the time. And then you get into it and you realize actually voters aren't that into seeing this guy again. You could have found a perfectly good uh, semi-moderate candidate. Uh, that would have at least been like a new face saying new things that didn't yeah, have McCall's a call. Former chief of staff is actually a black uh, mayor of Richmond now, LeVar Stoney. Well, yeah. I, he probably would have been a candidate had his old boss not run again. It's not like he's going to primary the old man, right? It's like maybe he would have been, uh, you know, right? Like it's not if like on other options in Virginia. There's a lot I of Democratic say this about McAuliffe, He was a successful governor, like a really yeah. successful governor. He's got name ID and he can raise money. And to to say that that's crazy to go with that against a self-funding uh, Republican candidate who's going to run as an anti-anti 
That's I don't think that's a crazy bet for Democrats. I'm not to saying have made. it's crazy. I'm saying it seems like the safe bet, and then you you get down to the wire like this, and you're like, I don't know that that was a safe. It's that's what I mean about Hillary Clinton. It's like, well, she seemed right. like the safe bet, the easy person to win. She had the fundraising capability. She had the voter the ID. Nobody wanted to challenge her. And at the end of the day, people didn't want another Clinton. They didn't want her. They were kind of sick of it. And that's what I think he's grappling with there. Yeah, that's a good point. JBL, you didn't give us your final prediction. I had I had plus three. Sarah had plus two for I, McAuliffe. I, I think Youngkin plus plus two three. Uh, I, I I still this think is Youngkin big is. I think Youngkin big is a possible outcome, like a ten percent outcome. But uh, I I think Youngkin probably. I think the most likely outcome is Youngkin wins. I can see McAuliffe plus two or three. That's that's certainly an outcome, like a 30 percent outcome. But I don't know. Can I, think I say the there's really only is- there's only one good outcome for Democrats. And there's like multiple good ones for Republicans, because the good one for Democrats is like McAuliffe. It's got to be McAuliffe plus five or more, because that's where Democrats say, like, OK, we still we're still holding on. Let's move into 2022 with a little bit of momentum. But if it is Terry plus one, two, three, people are like, oh, man, in a plus nine state, that's brutal. Uh, or they lose, in which case it's like full on panic. Is it possible a little panic could help? <laughs> yeah, I in think the long, I mean, it helped Newsom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they didn't. they should panic, right? I mean, you know, you the three of us have been hit mashing the panic button, and nobody's <laughs> been listening. So, uh, you know, like McAuliffe plus one or two, where they get to hold on to have a Republican governor who isn't going to try to throw out election results and or sorry, a Democratic governor who's not going to try to throw out election results in 2024 um, and who, you know, but it scares Democrats a little bit. I think that's a pretty good outcome for the party. Yeah, Can we talk for five seconds about how annoying it is, how many people on the Twitter side who were like anti-Trumpers are just like breaking their backs to talk about what a good candidate Yunkin is mm. and how like so great uh, and like how he's not at all like Trump and like not voters can differentiate that this guy is not just like a Trumpkin and they're really they're really pounding on the strategy of tying Yunkin to Trump, which I do think you can overplay. I mean, I do think part of, and this was also James Carville was making this point and I think it's a really good one. Like, tying Yunkin to Trump is a good strategy based on the focus groups we did. Like people were like, I don't want anything to do with Trump, but on the, but that like can't be the only thing you also need to have, uh, some things that you can say, look what I did before. And here's what I'm going to do now. And I think, you know, identifying for people why you were good in the past and your ideas for the future. I don't think that's been in there much, uh, at all. Can I also throw out, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, I just want to throw out this on this point because I, I, I saw a tweet that annoyed me on this front that called Youngkin a moderate. And I was like, yeah. You know, all the Democrats always get it's like they're like, it's always about policy. Like the Democrats are, you know, like Joe Biden might be moderate temperamentally, but like he's, he's, you know, in, in the tank with the far left and all the Democrats are, are gone far left and they're no moderates. And then it's like, well, Youngkin gets called a moderate. And it's like, well, in what way is he a moderate? Like I, I worked for John Huntsman, right? In 2012. Like that was a moderate. Like he was for civil unions with gay marriage was illegal. He thought climate change was a problem. He thought we should cut back on some of our defense spending. He was for citizenship, for, uh, undocumented immigrants. Like, on what issue is is Glenn Youngkin not fully in line with the just Republican orthodoxy? I mean, I guess he he is like anti anti vaccine instead of or anti 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 vaccine instead of anti vax. So that like gets you moderate now. Like you're not for a mandate, but 
you also aren't like playing footsie with Candace Owens. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. I, I've not like gone point by point. I don't, I don't think his website has policy page. At least it didn't for a long time. So I haven't gone point by point. Maybe there is something that he's, uh, but I don't think so. Right. Like, isn't he just a middle, just a regular Republican down the line on everything? He said yeah, he would import- not try to import the Texas abortion law. And he did not bring a baseball bat to the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> so he's a moderate. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is the, like the, the people who are saying this on Twitter are probably like professional political observers. So they are too smart to be like, like, they, it's one thing to say, look at how Yunkin is triangulating, how he ran to the right to get the, the MAGA base locked up. And he played footsie with the January 6th insurrectionists and the vaccines and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and now he's tacking to the middle for the general election. You can make that observation, but don't try to sell me the idea that this guy didn't hug Trump real close when it was as useful to him as possible. Uh, and to me, and, and, and like being like, and playing footsie with the election being stolen, all of that stuff, trying to play coy, telling people on undercover videos that he can't say this right now, but, uh, he's all for the abortion thing when he becomes governor, like this guy, like, let's not just like, let's not, let's not play games. Like we know exactly who this guy is as a candidate. Is he threading the needle politically more effectively than lots of other candidates? Yeah. As an analysis, you can say that, but like, we don't have to buy into the fiction that this guy's a moderate. Sure. Or you can say he's not crazy. I'm with you on that. Like he's not, he's not crazy. He's not a, he's not an insurrectionist. Like, okay, but he's not a moderate either. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on. I would like us to talk a little bit, just put a, you know, five minutes about Trump social. This is, I do have to make a disclaimer in the okay. interest of full transparency that I have a financial interest in this, this conversation. I currently own two shares of Dwack which is the uh, the SPAC, S-B-A-C, that uh, is going to be merged into Truth Social. And so I own two big shares of that, and I am diamond hands on these shares. I am going long. I'm going to, I'm going to, B-T-F-D. I'm not, I'm not going to buy any more shares. I just did it because Sarah and I did a bit on Secret Show last week, and I oh, want I to you. carry the bit into the real world. Um, so uh, of it course looks like I, you might have lost a little money. You might have lost a little cash. I, I believe that I have so far on paper lost $24. Mm. And it's a tough hit. It's a tough hit. Uh, I could buy a couple packs of baseball cards for $24. But I'm not I'm – not, that is an unrealized loss. That's true. Because I am diamond hands on Dwack. Uh, that's true. I have a question. Has there been any um, uh, evidence that has been presented since this announcement that Truth Social like, actually exists <laughs> as, as, a, as a site that people could post, post on? I was upset. My, yeah, because I, I did uh, in an article this morning about the human dingleberries um, and how, how many options they have now, uh, uh, despite the supposed monopoly power of Facebook. Um, uh, I forgot. I was upset. I forgot to mention Rumble in the article, so I just wanted to mention that here. And then I guess I put I put Truth Social in there, but I guess really that's hypothetical. That's uh, just just like your gains are on paper, their ability to give, or your losses are on paper, their ability to give takes on Trump social are only on paper right now. 
That is true. Did you run onto your Robin Hood account and get yourself some? I'm not a dwack. dwack. I, no, I, you know, I've been a, I've been a meme stonk person. I had a little AMC. I made a little money on AMC. Um, uh, but uh, I've been out of the meme stonk game. I took a big hit on Fubo, a couple other ones, and I was like, I'm, I'm This is this is stupid. Why am I Why am I wasting my time doing this? So. I was never. I'm never the type to get rich on one of these sorts of things, so I'm not doing dwack. I can't do it. I I had a I had a brief moment where after Trump won, I was like, I should buy stock in uh, what what's the uh, what's the Salem, you know, or one of these places that like will do well during a Trump era. And then I was like, this is stupid. I don't I don't want I don't want to be financially intermingled with dwack, even to the point of two shares. So no. Guys, what would you think if we did a promotion for Bulwark Plus subscribers where we did our, you know, for the the, the 1,000th subscriber in the next 48 hours gets one of JVL's DWAC shares? I will personally <laughs> hand off. We could blockchain it so that they know that it's my DWAC share, not just a random share of DWAC that's been floating around in the ether. I don't know, so but I'm glad you away. brought that up because one of the things I have been wondering is, you know, I – Full disclosure, used to give money to Republican candidates that I liked, uh, mm-hmm. maybe like a little Will Hurd, even most recently Liz Cheney, right? So as a result, my name has been just like sold to every psychotic Republican because uh, I'm on these lists as a donor. And so I get all their pitches and all of the pitches say, you know, you will be the first one to know about Trump social. Like you get first dibs. Like that was a big <laughs> selling point to get people to sign up. And so I guess I'm like wondering what those people got for their donations to the RNC who was hawking Trump social. That is a great point, Sarah. That hey, is thanks, a really Tim. excellent point. Maybe have they, do they get a free account or anything? We don't know. The site hasn't <laughs> existed. This is probably a question for Liz Harrington. Can yeah, we, I'd like uh, to follow up on that 800% match they told me about, too, while we're at it. But <laughs> um, Yeah, we should email the RNC about that and ask them for an official, resp- and ask them for official response. Like, what, are, what have you provided uh, with regards to the new Trump social media network? Also, the NRSC, I think, was fundraising on that. And I think maybe the NRCC, yeah. too. Everybody's getting in on that. Get on, get you got on that 10 deal. more patriots that signed up to get early access to Trump's new social network. And now, as best I can tell, it's an NFT uh, <laughs> and it exists as nothing more than like a, a meme stock, which I only know what that is now based on that secret podcast. I enjoyed that. Uh, too. It was a good one. If you didn't listen, I'd, I'd recommend other people going back and listening. I enjoyed it on my airline flight. All right, uh, uh, great. that's enough Trump social. Facebook papers, do you guys, have you guys followed this as closely as I have? Do you, do you want to continue to defend Facebook, you two? You, I you went read about it in advance of this conversation. Uh, probably not as closely as you have. I did have a, I had an extensive conversation with Kate Klonick on In Lieu of Fun on Friday, one of, one of a fa- who is a Facebook, uh, it might be rude to call her a Facebook defender, but certainly she's more Facebook bullish than JVL. Um, and I, and I, you know, once again, I hold my middle ground. There's nothing, I've not seen anything in the Facebook papers that are like, oh my God, who didn't know this was happening? You know, there was gambling inside the casino. I, I, I just, for starters, much of it was already reported, some of it by BuzzFeed and other places. And, 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 you know, but now that it's a whistleblower, it's like, it, you know, people give it a different level of attention. Um, the no, human I, trafficking I, stuff that was, that was on your radar. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's been, yes, it's been, there's been a big discussion and <laughs> reporting that human trafficking is happening online and that Facebook and that the, these sites are trying to figure out ways to crack down on it. Yeah, there have been a lot of new, there's been a lot of news stories about that. So I, I, I guess, I, I guess my main, t- my main takeaway um, from, you know, the Facebook, the Facebook papers thing is, is that they like have no idea how to defend themselves or what they're doing. And I think that you're continuing to call back to the Boz memo. Um, and the triad is exactly right. Like their growth Uber Alice and they, um, uh, uh, you know, and their PR efforts are a completely ham handed, you know, uh, like, you know, swir- drunk driving all over the road, like trying to appease, you know, their more social justice oriented staff and like the, you know, the, the, you know, people that want um, the, the, those who care more about the financial incentives and, and like, they're just totally lost. And like, that's why they're doing advertising right now in DC, like begging, like when I went to my hotel to see you guys in DC this past weekend, like, like the first ad I saw was from Facebook, like being like, please regulate us. <laughs> like I'm desperate for you to regulate me. Um, uh, and, uh, and it's because they don't, they, they have, they've created a monster that, that is absolutely uncontrollable. It's absolutely unmoderatable. There's certain things that they should be doing. Um, I, I think that every little leak like this reinforces my pre-existing belief that the biggest thing that they do that's wrong, and I want to get to this to TikTok in a second, is their algorithm. And like, if there's going to be anything that is right regulated, it should be it should be that. Like the news feed and the recommendations are an absolute nightmare. I thought the one example from the Facebook papers of the person who signed on to an India account and just as and just like accepted every recommendation they were given and they started just a fresh account and like within a month they had seen more corpses than they had ever seen in their entire life and like all this sort of stuff i thought that was really disturbing and it's like the algorithm is the problem and and there's all this discussion and and you know outrage about all these other issues some of them are true some of them uh, i think are maybe not fair but like like the main the main issue is the news feed and like it, 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 they people should be people should not be fed this stuff. Like like if they want to go join a group, this is where my libertarian Sarah Longwell side get in. If they want to go join a group that's like we like looking at dead carcasses dot org, like I I guess you know they should be able to do that, but like it shouldn't be you know recommended to them because they also you know were looking at. Um, Fox News. Fox. I mean, really? Yeah. um, Yeah, It's like horrific picture of a hurricane that shows dead people. Oh, would you like to see more corpses like this? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like that, that is what shouldn't like be happening. And so, uh, so anyway, that's my take on the Facebook papers. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I always think about is, 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 so it's sort of like tobacco, right? The big thing that, that, that hurt the cigarette companies was not, that their product, it was discovered that their product was causing harm. It was that they knew that their product was causing harm and continued to advertise it in a certain kind of way as though it were harmless. And I think that where... And engineer their products to become more addictive. Yeah, and so like (laughs) like the idea that Mark Zuckerberg continues to promote Facebook as a net social good, like his whole pitch is like, we're here to bring the world together. We're, we're, we're making the world a better place. When they are sitting on piles and piles of information, this is to me the interesting thing, is just like how much information they have about the, the quantity of social harm that they're doing. And so if they can't be up front and say, you know, like 
They just can't, he can't, like, it, it is sociopathic to walk around being like, see what a nice company we are when you have piles and piles of evidence that you're suppressing that actually you're causing a tremendous amount of social harm. You can be straightforward about the fact that, you know, you can make a free speech defense and that's one thing. Uh, you can make a, hey, we have no obligation to to make the world a better place and we're just here to make a product that, we, you know, and that's something, but that's not the argument that they make. Yeah, I would be super into Mark Zuckerberg basically saying, yeah, we're Philip Morris. What are you going to do about it? Until you guys regulate it, we're going to make hay while the sun shines. And yeah, people I'm love our stuff. And I'm going to buy all of Hawaii. Not, not just to stay. I'm going to buy the whole, I'm gonna, the whole big island I'm going to purchase. And, At least uh, I'd be honest. Some, right. Yeah. And someday you guys will regulate it out of existence and I'll retire to my money pile and I'll start a new Facebook on the metaverse. And I'll make another pile of money. Uh, and so, you know, double guns, you know, to give give the middle finger to, to the whole country. And I would be, honestly, I'd be kind of into that. I'd be like, okay, I can respect that. Mm. Hey, the, uh, Tim, the way you just said, you just shortened Andrew Bosworth to Boz, are you buds with him? I'm not buds with him. I've spoken to him. Um, uh, and that's what they call him. No, I know. I know they call him Boz. That's uh, yeah. That's no, his, I'm not. I, I'm not. No, no, we're not buds. I've, I've, he seems I've, like a really I've interesting spoke, guy. I've spoken Who's to him this before. This person. He's like a. He was Facebook's. He's kind of risen up the ranks of Facebook. He's a Facebook lifer. I don't know what his actual title he's, is. Like chief money making officer. CTO. So like a really big deal because uh, he's going to be part of everything that he do with the metaverse, which is yeah. Zuckerberg's new obsession. And the metaverse this, is the new pivot to video. I don't really understand the metaverse. I just have to I have to kind of admit that. I don't understand what's different about the metaverse than the internet. This is the first I'm hearing for, about <laughs> isn't it. The, isn't the metaverse? Uh, Facebook's trying to rebrand and move into the metaverse, and they're going to call themselves. Do they have a name for it yet, JVL? No, not yet. It. This is, no. It's second life. The answer is the metaverse will basically still just be. But did you see Ready Player One, Sarah? No. Oh, well. I was just going to say that's the metaverse, but uh, it's, like a, it's just like, like a good video. place. It's like bit, Bitcoin's the currency, and we all have fake, fake avatars for yeah. our yeah. We all wear VR goggles all the time, and we live inside. You know, the internet is a world you walk around in instead of a world that you type on your computer. That's that's the metaverse. The person, if I could pick somebody to really organize a new metaverse, uh, Mark I'd Zuckerberg. Go with Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> <laughs> a human with no identifiable emotional uh, emotional valence at all. Um, so yeah, no. I, the Boz memo is like. Here's the thing about it. Like, it's a, say what you want about him. To your point, it was honest. If people haven't read it, JV linked to it in his newsletter earlier this week, and and uh, my my buddy Ryan Mack actually, I, I think it was, it was leaked to him. Um, he's a good reporter, and. Um, and and it was honest. It was like they his belief, which is wrong belief, is that more is good, more is more. The more we connect, the better. That's the underlying, you know, premise of the of the book, and and you know, it's the underlying premise of any company that has that that has shareholders, and in this case, in Boz's point of view, the shareholder interest and the interest of society are are in line. Um, it is a mistaken worldview, but it, I, I, to my knowledge, it's his genuine worldview from from mutual from people I know, and 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 I think that in some ways, if Facebook, I I think that his frustration is that many of Facebook's own staff, hence all these leaks, don't share that view, right? And 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 I think that Facebook's PR would probably be in a better place. If, if they just owned Boz's perspective, right? I mean, like, you know, we said this, you know, uh, uh, ad nauseum, but like, it's not, what Facebook's doing isn't any worse than what's happening on YouTube. 
right? Or, um, you know, in, in any particular way. Um, but uh, uh, the this kind of, you know, one foot in, one foot out effort of, of, oh, we're good for the world, but oh, we recognize, you know, oh, we need to appease the SJWs. Like, it's just not working. I mean, I, a preferred approach uh, would be actually to try to fix the product and and lose some shareholder value and try to, you know, create a product that is not a net harm on the world. It might be too late for that. Um, the Frankenstein might be out of the, uh, you know, already created. But, um, uh, you know, the the a second best option would be to to just try to live up to what Boz put forth. And, and, and it's a really, I think, important document in understanding what like the actual people at the top, top, tippy top of Facebook think. Because I, I think Zuck is obviously completely in line with what with, with what Boz wrote. All right. Do you want to do TikTok? Well, I just want to te- I just I just I, I've gotten into TikTok lately. And this is kind of related to this algorithm discussion. Uh, have either of you guys spent any time on TikTok? No, I was explicitly told not to download it because it's Chinese spyware. Yeah, so it is Chinese spyware. I've kind of given up on that. It's like what? So the Chinese are going to know that I like like watching indie rock dudes like play guitars and like <laughs> gays do dances. Like that's like the Chinese are going to know that's what I'm into. It's like okay, all right. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm being short sighted here, and the Chinese are going to be able to use that against me at some time in the future. But. Uh, anyway, I, I decided I didn't care about that. I, I got on it for two reasons. One, for the Snapchat show, for Not My Party. If you're not watching, please subscribe to Not My Party on Snapchat. Um, it is A, very useful for finding fu- the funny clips that are included in the show. And B, uh, it is useful for me to, like, you know, not be completely out of touch with what the other teen, what teens are watching and their other, uh, when, when they're on the phone. Otherwise, besides, besides me, you know, since I am very much not a teen anymore, double, double a teen double. Um, and so uh, I got on it for that reason. And, you know, I've gotten sucked in, guys. I've gotten sucked in. I find myself on, uh, it is TikTok. For all the bad things you think about the Facebook algorithm, TikTok is the devil's playground. (laughs) (laughs) I find myself, I'll be 37 minutes into a TikTok binge, and I'll be like, Tim, you have to stop looking at TikTok. (laughs) And and, (laughs) I'll say that to myself in my brain. And, And... like four minutes later, it'll be I'll be 41 minutes into the binge, and I'll be like, no, seriously, you have to stop looking at TikTok. And I'll be like, yes, I know. And then 46 minutes. So and then eventually I'll stop. And I just it is extremely addicting. The it is um uh, there there are a couple things about it that, that make it, I think, even a little scarier than what's happening on Facebook about just the algorithm part, not the Chinese part, which is a separate level of scary. Um, but but one is the algorithm is so much smarter. Than the Facebook algorithm. I mean, it's in, it is insane, right? Like, if you, you know, if I am into like, you know, there's like questions for couples, and like I watch gay couples like talk about like who does, you know, who's the cranky one, and like you watch two of those long enough, then it just keeps feeding you those, and then it feeds you other other you know gay couple comedy, and then it feeds you you know other like you know of like what type what do like the people look like you know like what uh, you know i think the chinese now know who everybody's type is right because i don't get like bears you know i just get gay content from you know the gays that i keep want that i watch long and like it knows how long you're watching each video so it gives you more videos like that so i get that i get i get uh uh concert videos indie rock stuff and i get like you know comedy for elder millennials um and like that's that's it like that's all i get and so there are other like trend like if you got on tiktok sarah you would have a completely different world than me 
in your world after like two days would be exactly right. It'd be exactly into whatever your interests are. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what that is these days, like eating ice cream out of a big bowl or like chopping trees or whatever, like kind of lesbian content there is on the site. But you basically, you know me perfectly. Yeah, exactly. So you would have that. JVL would have like baseball cards. Like one of my friends who's into cards, like his TikTok is like people opening up like old upper deck packs and then showing what they got and like being excited. And so like, you know, maybe I've never gotten one of those, but JVL would like see one and then go down a baseball hole rabbit hole. And so uh, like, like the Facebook algorithm is, is like not that good. It's, it's like a blunt instrument, right? So it's like, it is, it's dangerous enough that it's like, if you're into, you know, Donald Trump, you might also be into the secret pedophile ring, right? Like it's good enough at like that, but it's like not giving personalized stuff. Um, so, uh, so that is like extremely disturbing. And then the other thing is, you know, just about the psychology of it, it's very hard on Facebook and even on Instagram to like have lots of strangers see what you're doing. Like TikTok is super easy. So that's why I put this in my article this morning. If you did a, you know, rant like the Herschel Walker's kid who got famous doing like crazy QAnon insurrectionist rants, if like you do, if you're Herschel Walker's kid and you do a funny, you know, Donald Trump's the real president, Joe Biden has dementia, Joe Biden's peeing his pants rant, and it's funny enough and it hits right within the algorithm, you can have like a million people watching you. And not if you're just a famous person, quasi-famous, like Herschel Walker's kid. You could just be like a dude in Kansas. And and like that is very, very hard in um in, in Facebook. Right. So that you know means that that TikTok provides an exponential potential for expanding crazy and conspiratorial thought. So anyway, I, I I bring this all back just for a little you know insight to everybody into my TikTok life, and so I can kind of confess and get inside the confessional and get some feedback. But also, I, I think it's relevant to the Facebook deal because it's like what's coming next. And I think you wrote this in your newsletter, JVL. Is I I don't think our minds can wrap around you know how how far these algorithms you know can can improve and expand from here. Well, that's good. We need more platforms to elevate people from the absolute fringes of the world uh, and broadcast <laughs> their views everywhere. This is have well, you uh, have you made any videos for TikTok, Tim? Uh, I've made a couple. Um, I did um, I did one or two um, with my child. I have a um, and uh, they were just funny. Uh, and then um, I, th- I jumped on to I think one of the trends. I made a self-deprecating joke. There's a trend right now on, on gay TikTok. So if you're not gay, you're probably not getting this trend. But it's a it's a, uh, a Harry Styles song, um, and like you know, he sings one part, and then you and then you know the gays show off how great their voice is by like singing the drop part. Um, and uh, and so I was bored in my hotel room actually when it was raining the other night in Washington, and I was like, I wonder how I would sound on this, and I sound I sound terrible. <laughs> and, so I posted the video of my terrible singing voice as a self-deprecating joke, and uh, I don't know. I might have posted one other joke. How did it? How did it do? No, I, I'm doing terrible. I don't. I don't have any. Oh I, oh, I reposted one of the not my parties. It was a trial to see if I could get that to pick up any steam. I got nothing. I don't. I, you know, not, I, I'm, I'm not doing good. I don't know. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. I'm a boomer when it comes to TikTok. You know, I don't have any hope that I would ever become a massive TikTok celebrity. So I mostly. You know, posted them for kicks for my small group of friends who are following me. But um, but yeah, it's not 
I, I've not landed any. I think if I kept posting every day, the algorithm might hit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're kind of selling me on TikTok. Like, I basically <laughs> only want to watch, like, the videos of, like, the parents that come back from, like, the military and, like, surprise their children uh, or sports teams when they do something um like really sweet that makes me cry. Uh, I saw like a really good one the other day of like some rugby teams doing um, a Hawaiian and that Hawaiian day. I'm not now nah, I'm not going to yeah. know what to call it, but whatever people doing inspirational stuff is like, that's the stuff that gets me. And so I think I could, so you're just like feeding me that content and like keeping me like mildly weepy and like reminding me about the goodness of humanity. Like that actually seems like it could be you're useful. Softy. You're such what a softy. What about a video of a girl missing a crucial free throw and then being berated on court by her team captain? Would that so get that a like from you? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. But it was funny because one of the things I was thinking of my list of things are like impressive amateur sports things. Like I love it when you like see like the girls high school team and like someone hits like a crucial, you know, three pointer or something like I live for that stuff. Or like, you know, where they put the kid in who's never like the Rudy play, like where the kid who's never played goes in and the other team kind of lays back and like everybody like puts the kid up on their shoulders because, you know, they made a layup uh, that people kind of gave to him. I like live for that stuff. Okay, well, I haven't got into that, but I can tell you that I went down a deep rabbit hole one night. Um, this is I, I, in some ways, I feel like this is extremely unhealthy. In other ways, it's like, you know, this is this is 39. You know, like I can't go out on a Friday night. What else am I supposed to be doing? So I went deep down a, a frat and sorority rush talk. And I clicked on a rush talk hashtag and I was getting all Alabama frat boys and and sorority girls like preparing for rush and it was like the girls would show off their outfits that they were wearing to the rush and then like the boys would show like what kind of like weird stuff that they had to do you know to to prove themselves to their frat bosses and then like these girls would be sad because they didn't make it in i mean it was it was drama it was like it was a very <laughs> i mean i was like deep into the characters um and uh you know like this this just just like speaking this all out loud is like there's no way this is healthy for society <laughs> 15 years from now one of those people is going to be sitting on a focus group saying why should terry mcauliffe get a third term <laughs> like this is anyway all right sarah would you like to close us out with us, your Chappelle? close us out with your david Chappelle take and no, tell no, us tell us all about what it was like in your Sudafed induced <laughs> haze which watching. is how i feel right now still by the way i sort of feel like i should wait for sunny to be on because i think sunny and i would have like a real a good conversation about this just do a bonus show um, this week with you and sunny if you want I think we should do that. I, I don't want to like, look, I don't want to deprive you guys of my Chappelle take, uh, but I like kind of want to get into it because I have very specific critiques. I'll just look, I'll give you a little, a little one here um, where there's this instance of, and you know, if you haven't seen it, it's really hard to actually do this specific, but you know, this whole thing with DeBaby, I didn't know who DeBaby was. I didn't know about this thing, but like what one of his jokes, oh, see, this is the problem. If you don't oh, know sorry. it, the um, uh, baby uh, was featured on Dua Lipa's Levitating. Uh, he is a popular rapper uh, at a rap show uh, this I summer. He and talked I do not about understand any of the words that are coming out of your mouth right now. <laughs> well, uh, I'll give you the one sentence then. At you a might concert, as well be talking about things from the mythology of Dune. Okay, well, this was from your time. This is an '80s from reference. So, uh, <laughs> this is from your era, not the mythology of Dune. Uh, just the baby referenced how he is no homo because he does not want to get the oh, AIDS. Okay. 
Um, oh, I remember no and, homo. Uh, yeah, and okay. and he does not uh, want to get the AIDS. So he did a little rant about that, and then he was he was canceled, but not really. But kind of in the spirit of my article this morning, not really canceled because he's like now the number two rapper in America. Like gotcha. the fact is, like I know who he is now, right? Okay. I, there was no way in a different universe that I would know who he is if he weren't part of sort of this cancel culture conversation. You know, that kind of loops in with the the right. Um. So, so in this stand up, there's. Lots of jokes were, you know, there's a lot to talk about on the trans side. But I just, I felt like the whole thing was riddled with a kind of hypocrisy that I would love to dig into. But I'm going to give you like one example. Uh, And I'm also going to say up front that I think that the conversation he is engaging in, like the idea that Chappelle should be canceled is like sort of a stupid conversation. He's engaging in a real conversation that's happening culturally that I'm interested in and that I felt like he made a contribution to, albeit one that is uh, flawed up and down in all kinds of ways. I think he's got a ton of blind spots. I think he is, um, I think he's a raging narcissist uh, and I uh, have tons of problems with it. But one example of something that I think is was silly from it is he say, he has a joke and it's kind of a funny one. Um, if you don't spend too much time on the tragedy of it, where he talks about DaBaby and says DaBaby was this famous person or a famous rapper, but he just can't, is a famous rapper, uh, but he was recently canceled for saying some bad things about gay people. He's like, but what people don't know is that DaBaby killed a guy one time in a Walmart. And he's like, so, and so his commentary (laughs) on the culture is like, you can kill a dude in a Walmart and still be the number one rapper, but you better not offend a gay person. Uh, now, there's something that's like a, a little funny in that in sort of the commentary of uh, the things that our society will accept versus what it won't accept, that like woke culture will like come down on you for one thing. And then later in the show, Chappelle says something like, don't cancel debate as part of a list of things that like in his sort of an anti-wokeness kind of thing that he's on. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Actually, no, your point is well taken before. He should be canceled for murdering the guy. We shouldn't tolerate as that as a culture. Um. Like, he shouldn't become a free speech warrior now. This whole thing makes me crazy. Like, our priorities are mixed up, as are yours, Dave Chappelle. This is why we need to make this a video podcast because Sarah's face right now is so good. But I do want to add, I did not watch the Chappelle. Uh, I, you know, I was busy going down sorority rush talk. And so I had obviously bigger priorities in my life. Um, but uh, I did see the one joke you're referencing. And I also had a problem. <laughs> I had one, another issue with the joke. And it's just a joke. So whatever, not a big deal. Just a joke. Comedians can tell jokes. Comedians tell bad jokes all the time. But one of the other main problems with this premise of this very deep point is the baby was calling people faggots and saying no homo and talking about AIDS on stage in front of like a hundred thousand people and many cameras in the Walmart murder. Like, like the baby was one of several people who, who were involved apparently in this murder. And they, and, and we don't really know exactly who fired the weapon and there's not video of it. So let me tell you something. If there was vid, if the baby was on stage in front of a hundred thousand people and he took out a gun and he shot somebody in the face, he would be canceled. In addition to being canceled, <laughs> he would be jailed. He would be put into one of our nice, many, you know, many, uh, uh very horrible, uh, institutions for people that shoot other people in the face. Uh, 
like, like the, we didn't have enough evidence. <laughs> so like the reason that he was canceled for saying fag and not canceled for the murder is because he did the fag thing and on TV in front of a, in front of a hundred thousand. I was like, I, I like watched that one clip on Twitter and I was like, ah, I'm not watching this. I'm not watching this this comedy sketch, supposed comedy. I just I have a ton of I have a ton of thoughts about it and uh, would love to discuss them. But I need somebody to play off. I, I need somebody to like okay. push back and engage on it. I can't have nobody having watched it. All right, let's do a bonus well, episode. Let everybody email us. E- email us. Do you want us to do a bonus? Because I will watch Chappelle if people want it. If people want it, we can bring Sonny in. But people might be sick of Chappelle. So let's let's let's. If you've listened this long, how how long are we? One hour seventy two minutes into this. Because mm. <laughs> uh, otherwise, we don't have to. We can do we a bonus almost, with Sonny. We have almost done a third of a Dune. With this show. <laughs> God, right. I hope this is more interesting than Dune. <laughs> Guys, good show. Talk to you next week. Peace. Bye. Bye.